Do it a little faster. You still got it. <laughs> it's your girl Shanti. And it's Antoinette. And we are Around, Around the, the Way Curls. Join us as we share our unique life experiences, aka tell all our business, and explore both the profound and the profane. Because duality, duality is, is a thing. thing. Yes, Hey, girl. Hey, welcome to another episode of Around the Way Curls or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever. How are you? Do you have any updates, Sheila? Do I? Girl, you no. Know, <laughs> you didn't write anything. Yeah. So. Just winging it, you know? <laughs> Just uh, keeping on, keeping on, holding on tight, holding on to dreams, beliefs. Um, <laughs> shout out to this Saturday. We're going to see each other again. We're going to see all of the girls are getting together. Squad. I'm excited about that. Um. Yeah, you don't have to force it if you don't have any. That's <laughs> it. Y'all just heard me on Monday, okay? I bu- I bared my soul. A girl can only do so much. Is it bared? What would it be? I need to learn English. Is I bared? Been? That's what. I what would, you know what, what I would have said? This what you wrong. Say. Are you ready? Yeah, it's what, wrong. What you say? I bored my soul. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wrong. Can I tell you something? <laughs> No, no. I don't know why I come up past tense. I just make up words for past tense. I bored my soul. I bored my soul to you. (laughs) Wait, can I also tell you that my sister, yo, she pissed me off with this and she knew she did. She sent me a text. It was like, I want you to say this out loud. Wonder and wonder about our episode. And I said... Girl, I noticed, and I got got nervous. I thought, oh my God, I must have written wander somewhere because the episode was about wonder and like having the wonder, you know, the children have and approaching life like that. And I look and it was spelled right. This bitch was really talking to me about my little accent and how I was pronouncing it. I said, girl, I knew the word. <laughs> She's just supposed to say it. <laughs> Leave <correctly>. me alone. <laughs> oh my God, it was so funny. And she told me to look up the definitions and say it out loud to myself. So that is, Did you that do just, that? I knew what it was. And yes, I think when I was emphasizing the wander, that it comes off as though I'm saying wander. But I, me like really trying to paint the picture of wonder. Wonder. It's like, wow. You know? Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. How's anyway, everything for my, with you? I would like to shock the world. Let's go. And say happy. Well, we're recording this March 30th. Comes out a week later. Happy Ramnomi. Do you know what that is? Happy Ramnomi. You should. Shout out to all the Krishnas in the world celebrating this holy day. And apparently this is the day when Krishna came back. I don't know anything else about it, but one of my friends is a Krishna and they are celebrating this holy day. And I thought you would know that. Ramnomi. I don't think you're saying it correctly. Yes, I am. I I wrote it down phonetically. (laughs) Don't. Y'all need to stop. I literally wrote it down phonetically so I can say it on here. Anyway. Thank you. Also, happy Ramadan. Ramadan has been in effect, and we have not acknowledged it with our Philly selves. So apologies. Shout out to all the folks that are practicing Ramadan and doing their thing. I have, you know, small updates 
You know, I've been talking about this. Spill the tea. I've been talking about how I've been feeling more empowered lately. And in this empowerment, you know, I've been sitting with myself and we were talking about shooting our shots. And I'm just like, girl, how many missed opportunities do you have just in life in general Mm. Mm. where you don't show up and own your greatness, where you do this thing, where you're coy or you're polite or you're self-deprecating because it makes everybody else feel comfortable. No, I'm going to show up and show out. So I was at Trader Joe's the other day and I was feeling, I was listening, what was I listening to? I think I was listening to Renaissance again. (laughs) And I was, you know, with my little cart and girl, Girl. there was a man Mm -hmm. there. He was a milk dud head. (laughs) You know, you know, being a milk dud now. It was freshly shaven. I said, oh, milk dud, brown skin, beard, moisturized beard. Talk about it. Mm. Mm. And then I saw, I looked down at his cart and his hands were beautiful. They were manicured. You could see that he took care of himself, but wasn't like super pretty either. It wasn't too much. It was like, oh, you just... You keep yourself up. Yeah. Whatever. And he had his sleeves like kind of rolled up a little bit. Okay. Muscles was poking. No, it was the forearms. You know me in a veiny forearm. Ooh. Mm -hmm. So I saw this like brown, moisturized, veiny forearm. And Mm -hmm. I said, my God, Mm -hmm. child. He had a plain black t-shirt on that just like, you know, it looked like he might have gotten it tailored i'm not sure but it just fit him really nicely girl i was staring at this man and then he just just you know some jeans they weren't skinny they weren't necessarily boot cut i believe this is called a straight leg this is what a friend of mine is always saying straight leg fine whatever but then i looked down i swear for god he was something out of a dream bitch he had on birkenstocks and socks oh shit i said what the fuck you're you, you are who I'm you about to have my, my next love affair with. Yeah. An affair to remember. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at him and I'm like, and I, my instinct was, okay, do that thing you do. You, I don't like oranges or grapefruits, but I was damn sure putting, I got a whole bag of clementines in my mouth. I like clementines. <laughs> bring, them, <laughs> bring them up here since you don't eat I them. will, because you know they give like 50 clementines. I'm like, I, I can't eat this. <laughs> So I didn't put the clementines in the cart because I do like them. Unpopular opinion. They are far superior to oranges. And I'm like, come on, notice me. Notice me. Choose me. Please see me. Acknowledge me. And he looks up and he Mm -hmm. smiles. Okay. And I wasn't looking particularly all that that day, but I was looking presentable. I I did look homeless. Girl, I did the smile. I did the smile. Look, you taught me. Hold it. And then look away yeah okay (laughs) and so I did that and so girl I'm walking and I look up and he's gone where the fuck he go fuck yes so I'm like all right well whatever you tried it but then I was talking to myself like no you have to be bold like say something so I see him again and I just kind of pass them because I'm just, I just can't get the You're vibe. You're working on it. It's okay. I'm working. I'm trying yeah. to muster up the yeah. courage. Mm-hmm. And we're in the honey aisle. All right. We're in the honey aisle. <laughs> I'm getting my Manuka honey. Mm-hmm. And I look in his cart and he has like 
it's like a couple of cans of beer. I'm like, okay, cool. So it's giving single vibes. It's like random cans of beer, lots of produce, but not enough for two people. You know, just a, it, it was given the single person cart. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, okay. So I noted that. And then I got in line and there he was like right. Was he behind me? No, he was in front of me. And so I'm like, okay, just turn around, sir. Turn around, turn around. Doesn't turn around like fuck. So then I'm checking out. And I think to myself, and this is a Trader Joe's where you have to take the elevator upstairs to get out. I'm like, if we end up in that elevator together, Antoinette, you are going to shoot your shot. Were you thinking about what you were going to say? Hell yeah. I was like, what are you going to say? Like, I don't know. I was like, hi. No, can't say that. So I'm like, <laughs> you know? And Sorry. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, I like your shoes corny but that was what i was gonna say so we get in the elevator and he's there looking smelling good he has like one and this was the other thing he had one airpod in and one airpod out so it was like okay you want some kind of interaction so the elevator doors open we're wheeling our carts out and i was like excuse me and i was like i love you I love your shoes. Like, I love Birkenstocks. And you want to know what he said to me? What? He said, girl, I know you do. I watch you on See the Thing Is with the girls. (laughs) I said, you got to be fucking kidding me. (laughs) You've got to be fucking. Men get everything. Gay men get everything. They be getting the finest brothers. And I'm like, what? The way you set that up, girl. I was so masterful. Man, I was like, oh my God. And so if you're listening to all the queers, (laughs) y'all living and it's giving. He went on and on to tell me how much he loves me on that show, how he loves Bridget and Mansi. He can't get enough. He's in a part of the whore hive. I was like, oh, my God. So, <laughs> sir, if you're listening, just know that I was attracted to you and was attempting to shoot my shot. But instead, I became very clear that the relationship you wanted with me was not the same one that I wanted with you. Oh, my wanted God, to- Antoinette. I can't. <laughs> I wanted to have an a. Uh, a beautiful affair. We could have traveled the world. We could have wake, waked. See? Them See? fucking tenses. <laughs> they get me. What were you going to say? We could have woken up together, mm. you know? Entangled. You could have We could have read books to each other yeah. to bed. Cumulus clouds. 84, 84 degrees. 84 degrees. He could've was brown. Deep. <laughs> Corporations and movies. Blue colors. <laughs> Memories of shell top Adidas. He was fresh. Like... What did you say? Like peaches, sweet on my mind, like, like black pa- parties, parties and penny candy. candy. He was had, nice and had warm. Me <laughs> you skipping stuff. Oh, anyway, real? sir, you missed it. You could have been taking a long walk around the park, but instead, you, you want to be gay. Your, <laughs> you was living Shout your best you. fucking life. You, you knew not to mess with me. It's all right. <sighs> God is tricky. He's like, God, Eve, got to fuck with her real quick. <laughs> but. The big part about that story is that I had it gone differently. I stepped Good into Antoinette, my the pride that is 
welling up in me is like a mother. It's like, <laughs> yes, girl. Yes. My baby's doing it. Oh, God. It's I tried. Be okay. I tried so hard. So shout out to you, you beautiful milk dud human you. I hope you enjoyed. You said, girl, I know. <laughs> girl, I know. That's what you want to say. The thing is, I love you. Also, Listen. you're a star. Also, you are a star. So you got to start walking out, making sure that you are. No, I look Tight. disheveled. I look disheveled <laughs> all the time. You're asking me for too much. Anyway, those are my updates. We have a great, long, wonderful, informative, intentional show planned for you today. We are joined by a lovely friend of mine, Joel Leon, not Leon. <laughs> and um, he's going to be breaking down all of the ways in which we can reimagine relationships, whether it be parent to co-parent, parent to child, and partner to partner. So we're going to get into that. But before but before we do that, we're going to have two voicemails, only two voicemails this week, because um, our conversation was full. So we want to make sure we're not keeping you here all day. All right. So first one up. Bam. All right. So good morning, y'all. It is about one o'clock in the morning, and I just am getting home from the See the Thing is Pod live show. And I just wanted to first and foremost come on here and tell y'all that it was a pleasure meeting Shanti. At least I didn't get a chance to meet Antoinette because I had to get back to the meet and greet with Bridget and Mandy before uh, that expired. But I just want to say it was a pleasure meeting you, Shanti. I gave you a great big old hug. Like I said, I knew you was going through the motions, and I just wanted to show you some love. Um, Antoinette, girl, I'm so fucking proud of you. You've been coming out your show here lately, and you've been singing your ass off on the gram, and it was an honor and a pleasure to see you singing your ass off live in Philly. I just want to encourage the both of you uh, to keep working on what you're working on. And um, thank you for being the podcast that you are because you're making me realize at this big age of 41 that I probably need to work on my shit, too, because I got a lot of shit with me. Um, again, my, this is Ruby. Shanti, you might remember me. Um, and so sorry I did not get to meet you. Um, if you ever have a live show, trust and believe, for Around the Way Curls, I will be in attendance because you and See the Thing Is Pod are the only two podcast that I subscribe to on Patreon. And if you start a Patreon for Can't Afford Therapy, I'm more than likely buying into that too. So I just want to know that I love you uh, ladies and your podcast and what you're doing. Keep doing it and I'm going to keep listening. Hope to maybe see you all again in person one day. Good night. Ruby, Ruby with the E. My dog, no, she gave me a lovely hug that, again, if you listen to <clears throat> last week's podcast, I really need it. I really need it. And everybody that showed up and everybody's excitement and just generosity with your, yeah, your love and your, your support really puts a battery in our backs. And whatever we do for you guys, y'all also do for us. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Ruby. I, I second everything Shanti said. And 
actually can't afford a therapy did start a patreon y'all did i was like i was like i don't know if we should, i don't know if i want to do another patreon y'all and they were like yo shut up people want the video and i was like all right oh, well you better start marketing that we did put something out on the instagrams but we'll have to say it on the show so we'll figure that out and i'm saying it here but thank you so much for your support and thank you for your kind words about me singing that's yes. a big deal to be up there singing with bridget fucking kelly so you did that, that. It's a formidable duet partner. Child, shout out to them. Shout out to Mandy and Bridget, friends of the pod. Next up. Hey, Shanti and Antoinette. Just wanted to say I've been listening to your podcast since the beginning. It's great. I've met you both in person, and you're both lovely people. Antoinette, I met you at the Roots Picnic last year, and Shanti, I met you at the Christmas um your christmas thing at love park a couple years ago we talked about divorce anyway love you both but here is my question for antoinette i need to know your makeup routine what are you using on your face foundation eyeliner all of that it's always flawless thanks bye oh my name is dina you don't like the my running mascara (laughs) the fuck my mascara is actually running right now. Um, Dina, not you gassing me for my makeup. Whatever. Like, not you empowering me more. Um, I don't know if I want to say what I wear on here. Why? These people That's need to pay for it. No, it's not gatekeeping. This is free advertisement. <laughs> Shit. I will say. Um, she ain't gonna tell you <laughs> why did you pick that voicemail no, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna say it no no I'm gonna say it cause you know what I pick these voicemails and I forget what they are Um, I wear it's it's changed I, I, what I'm realizing and learning is that the skincare and the skin prep is the most important part of this makeup this here makeup thing you gotta have the good skin foundation underneath you gotta have hydrated skin Use a good primer. I do use Max Primer. I don't remember what that one is called, but it's a hydrating primer. And then I'm using, I switched up, y'all. I was using Born This Way, um, their foundation. And I recently got put on, I can't remember what it's called, but it's NARS's foundation. And it's a liquid foundation that is very sheer. They have two. They have one that's like, high coverage it's like max coverage and then they have another one that's like light to medium it's like buildable but you can only build it up to medium and I really like it because it looks like skin and it really just kind of blurs your skin um to even it out let me it write doesn't... down what you have said for myself <laughs> I'm about to fight you for real and the mascara I still use better than sex but it d- does tend to shed and like fall on my face and this weekend for the roots for the roots picnic for see the thing is live show the we had our makeup done and the mascara that and our makeup done was by it was by Butte what's her name on Instagram Butte M U A anyway she does Jasmine's makeup so she knows what the hell she's doing her favorite mascara is still the ones from Maybelline child that pink, pink and green, and green. bottle. And that purple and blue bottle. Wow. That's the ones that she said nobody can figure out what that formula is. It's cheap. It's something. affordable. 
So I love that. And then everything else that really it's in the concealer under my eyes. I have dark circles under my eyes. I always use the Born This Way, um, like multi-sculpt concealer. And I just put a dot in the corner by my eyeballs. If you're on Patreon, you can see me. And then on the out corner. And then I just blend it together, throw on some blush, put on some lip gloss. What is that called? Contouring. So if you're on Patreon, it's well, the blush is the co- like that's no, the contour. You put like you don't put the line there. I put the line there for live shows. Yeah. So I, I don't do that every day. Right now I just have on a bunch of blush and I just put wow. it, but I put it up like that. So if you guys I, are on Patreon, you can see this magic. If you're not on Patreon, you should consider <laughs> becoming a patron and paying five to seven to $10 so that you can see and learn because it's a multimedia business that we're running. <laughs> but if you do want to contour your face, a big tip is I don't ever contour my nose. I don't like that. I don't play that. But if you do, if you're on stage, I would suggest, or under like a lot of lights, I suggest contouring your cheekbones a little bit. I want that a uh, boof tuckle, bucktuckle. No, that? don't the buccal fat face. removal. First of all, distinct enough chin. You can't reverse that. So once you do it, it's in, and it makes your your cheekbones fall, like your cheeks actually fall after a while. Don't do that. I'm gonna send you a video about that. That's <laughs> terrible that's, for that's you. She, she said, "Girl, I've been up so, three o'clock last <laughs> night. I was doing the research about I, you it." You know what? I got <laughs> lost in the rabbit hole of there's a there's a okay. So this is an aside. We need to go, but there is a what are they called? Plastic surgeon who all he does is video. Well, he's a plastic surgeon, but on YouTube, he does videos where he has celebrity faces yeah, of the years. Yeah. And he tells you uh-huh. all of the work that they yeah, got done. Of like that. Zendaya. I, s- I was shocked by Zendaya. No. Yes. No. Girl. Yes. No, not a lot. Just a little bit. Like that's, that's what I, what she do. She got her nose done. She probably got her <gasps> eyebrow, her, she, we have similar eyebrows. So I think she, I, What's it called? Foreheads. She don't got forehead either. Anyway, I, I, I only bring that up because I don't want folks to think that this shit is real. It's makeup. I don't wake up like this. And she I don't wake I still love myself well. when I wake up too. But you know, when you're under lights, you gotta work it on out. So yeah, if you want to know more, sis, DM me because I ain't giving these people no more free press. Come on, Nars. Hit us up with a with a live read. I think I the, messed that up for you, Internet. They're like, the light skin one, she really <laughs> has a good application. The other one, not no, the you, best ambassador. Your makeup, you don't need, your skin is perfect, so you don't even need to ever put foundation on. No, whatever that, I have red whatever skin. Whatever she put on my skin before. Girl, your makeup in Philly, I said, wow. That do, is gorgeous. I do need some makeup, apparently. Oh. We just need rest and water. Anyway, let's take a break because we have a we have a really good episode this week. We're excited for you to listen. Again, the first half is going to be on co-parenting with Joel. Second half is going to be him making more sense of relationship anarchy. Are you going to sing? <clears throat> After these messages, we'll be right back. Boop. 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And we are back. So... As promised, we are joined by someone who I believe knows more than us, especially when it comes to relationship anarchy, as we tried to break down last week. <laughs> this is part three. This is the final. <laughs> Maybe it's not. Maybe this is going to be continuous. We but this need is to pick the a new third topic. <laughs> iteration. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we are joined. I'm a, so I'm going to say this. We're joined by a friend of mine. Mr. Joel Leon, as Shati would refer to as Joel. <laughs> she was calling you that all week. I was like, sis, stop calling that. <laughs> but we are joined by this gentleman who I actually, we might have been in each other's presence, physical presence, maybe four times, max, right? Um, I discovered, yeah, I discovered you when you were on See The Thing Is podcast. And I think I had commented or maybe even reposted um, your clip that they had posted. And this was back when they were on their previous deal and everything. And somehow we connected via DM, started chit-chatting, immediately were hitting each other with the voice notes. We ain't had time to type. We was like, yo, what's up? And so we just kept saying, like, we got to connect. We got to eventually one day connect. I feel like-minded. I feel like the words you use are the words I want to use. I be thinking them. They don't come out. But I live my life in that way. <laughs> and then my good friend Jason Rosario was like, oh, that's my guy. And I said, okay, if, you're if, if he gives a stamp of approval, you got to be cool. So I just went on a whim. And I had a little birthday party and I said, you know what? I'm going to invite him. We're going to meet. And we met the first time we met, I wept. <laughs> it was a very emotional evening. And I thought if that didn't scare him away, then he For is a birthday, part of my tribe. Yes. Yes. For the birthday. So we are joined here by this very kind and generous um, human who I've had the pleasure to share space with and hopefully get to hang out with more. But ladies and gentlemen and non-binary royalty, please put your hands together in your homes for Mr. Joel Leone. And you, Monty, put a in there. Um, Joel, how would you intro yourself? Oh, he's breaking his microphone. Everything's fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> How would you introduce yourself? How would I introduce myself? Um, a father, um, a lover, a storyteller, um, uh, who writes and tells stories for black people. That's the general, um, like, straightforward bio that I like to give folks. But, you know, that, that work is centered around deconstructing um, binaries. So any anything that we feel attached to, non-attachment is, is a part of my practice. So whether that be the patriarchy, whether that be debunking and deconstructing misogyny, misogynoir, talking through masculinity, black masculinity specifically, um, issues surrounding mental health, parenthood, uh, a lot of these things intersect. So I, I think my, my job as a cishet facing black man, born and raised in the Bronx, um, with a lot of experience, I think my job is to like help folks sift through um, the things that keep them from their liberation. Um, mm. Yeah. And they use art to do that. So Yes. I was going to say, put that artist. I mean, you said storyteller, but definitely yeah. an artist as well. Um, heavy work, important work. I think so. Yeah. So we want to talk to you today about reimagining relationships. Mm, yeah. Many yeah. different relationships, right? Yes. Between parent and parent, mm -hmm. parent and co-parent, maybe, mm -hmm. mm. Uh, parent and child. Yes. And partner and partner, mm. right? Yeah. And so I want to start off with a little clip, if I may. Is that cool with you? Because Joelle is going to um, be very uh, humble, but he also is fancy. And he has a TED Talk. <laughs> Our TED Talk. A TED Talk. I do. I do. I do. And so I would like to play an excerpt from that TED Talk, which is um, going to help us in this next conversation, all right? Yeah. So I vowed, right, whenever I got married, my boo and I would be together forever. You know, we <laughs> we share the same bed and home. We sleep under the same covers. We argue at Ikea, normal stuff. Um, my partner would feel seen and loved, and our children would grow up in a two-parent household. However, things rarely ever end up how we plan them. Our daughter, Lila, has never known a household with both of her parents living together under one roof. Her mother and I were never married. We dated on and off for several months before we found out she was pregnant. Up until then, my mother didn't even know she existed. I was ashamed, I was embarrassed, and at times I was suicidal. I was asking myself, what was I doing? Where was I going wrong? I never wanted the uh, stigma or label of what some identified as the stereotypical black father, right? So absentee, confrontational, combative, um, not present. It took a lot of work, time, energy, and effort for us to finally, finally realize that maybe co-parenting for us didn't need to mean a shared household and wedding bells. That maybe, just maybe, the way we showed up as co-parents lay not only in the layered nuances of our partnership, but the capacity within our hearts to tend to a human that we helped create together. Okay. Clap, 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 clap. So, Joelle, may I ask you, how many children do you have now? I have two. I have two. I am a girl dad. I'm the father to Lila. 
Lila Daniels, um, who, when you hear the ah and people um, clapping and it, and it gets me a little misty eyed, it's it's a picture of Lila. Lila, I think, was like four at the time, um, who is now seven and West, like uh, Northeast, Southwest. Um, she is three. So I got two. I got two. Two bundles of joy. Two. And so you said on there that you had envisioned a certain kind of family setup. Yeah. And it, and in the beginning of the TED Talk, you talk about your upbringing. Mm-hmm. You were raised in a single parent household with a dynamic mother, it sounds like, yeah. who did everything to make sure that you were given the best life she could give, right? Yeah. So that kind of informed your, you, this ideal setup of like, okay, I'm going to marry this woman. We're going to have this nuclear family. Mm -hmm. It's going to be perfect and secure and safe. Right. Mm -hmm. And so talk, talk to us about when it became evident, how you felt when that wasn't going to be the case and then how you landed to where you're at now because the whole TED talk is about co-parenting, right? Yeah. So what was that journey like? You know, I, I'll start by saying a, a few things and, and shout out to um, Linda T, who who is my mama. Um, you, I, I've been, uh, when I'm afforded now, um, the opportunity to have conversations about how I've gotten from point A to point B. Um, the bell hooks comes up a lot. Not for me primarily, but for like people in, in like in conversation. And I love Bell. I think Bell has informed a lot of my work. I think RG Lord has also formed informed a lot of my work, Tony Morrison more than anybody else. But like when I talk about love, people generally gravitate towards Bell Hooks. And honestly, like when I'm talking about love, the first person I learned that from, the language of it, the essence of it, the energy of it was from my mom. Like my mom was my first teacher before anybody else. It's still my teacher now, actually. I think um probably the first person that taught me non-attachment, even though she didn't necessarily know what that meant or had the language for it herself. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think, so I say that to say, um, it got to the point in the co-parenting journey where, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big believer in intuition. Um, and for those who, who don't know, like men can have intuition, like we can be guided by these things. I think there's a lot of blockage that happens that doesn't allow that to happen for us. But I think, intuition for for men can be something as simple as like nah this room doesn't feel safe um or this person doesn't feel safe or this environment i need to leave like that's intuition right and so my gut was telling me that this situation is not going to work in this dynamic with us as partners life partners um and you know like i was i was a 32 33 immature man you know and like you know for transparency um, you know, I was, man, I was working this nonprofit job that was paying me about, and when still living in New York, in New York City, like making like about 37K a year, um, high school diploma. I was living at my mom's. I had broken up with my, my ex-fiance, who is not the mother of Lila. Um, we had broken up. And um, hold on one second. Chewing my shoe. Um, <laughs> like, what are we doing? Um and so there, there was a, a a a a case of inferiority, like shame, you know. And like now I'm having a child, so like what am, what am I doing exactly? Um, and so I had to make a pivot, and that pivot also involved me changing careers, right? And and 
figuring out how to utilize my social media platform, which was growing at the time. But I knew I was having a child and things need things needed to shift. If there's one thing I know how to do, it's how to love, right? And in that moment, I was like, this is, I can't raise a child in, in this position. Um, and part of the, 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 the navigation and, and, and how to get from that point A to point B um, for me was trusting the process. You know, like I knew even growing up in a single parent household, knowing I didn't want that, but, you know, there's a lot of things that we want and don't want that don't happen. You know, and we can try to manifest and vision board ourselves to death and we can pray and, you know, what I'm saying like get the holy waters ready and, and do all we can. But I think life just happens, you know, mm. and I think God is in everything, even the things that we don't like or we disagree with or the things that trouble us or the things that kind of bring us to our knees. Right. In certain ways. And like that was very much a come to Jesus moment for me where it was like, I can't I can't not be in this position and think I'm going to raise a child knowing that. Yes, all children need is love, but if I'm not providing the appropriate uh, environment for my child to grow and, and, and be nurtured in, and giving that environment to myself, then I'm failing as a parent and I think as a human. Um, and I, I took on that responsibility, knowing that at the end of the day, I wanted to make sure that regardless of whether or not it was both parents present, that I was going to handle all the things that I needed to handle to ensure Lila's safety. Um, and I took work. Um, I don't know if that really answered the question. I feel like I was all over the place with that, but that's kind of no. It it yeah. answered it. I guess. I guess. Yeah, you you answered it. You're saying that it sounds like to me, what I'm hearing is that you reconciled things within yourself. Um. I guess by one, it sounds like faith. Two, need just out of pure necessity your intuition, you know, you have to take care of this child, you recognizing that the best environment for the child is not the one that you envisioned. But I guess I'm trying to figure out how did you grieve that? How did you handle that? Because it, I mean, you even mentioned in the TED Talk, like there were very low points mm -hmm. through that process. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, Shanti, jump in. I know that that was, that I'm not a parent, but I can imagine how devastating that must be. I've, I had all of these thoughts in my head about what a family would look like. And I, in my mind, am like, I'm not open to it being any other way. So I'd rather not have kids. Yeah. And, Truly. And, like yeah. I have said that. Yeah. So I guess grieving that, how does, how do you do it? I, I'll say this. I didn't. And I think that's the prop. That was probably the reason why I was I was having suicidal ideations, you know. Like I was going through it, and like I never. And I say this often, you know, Lila, Lila's mother, and myself, we never gave ourselves the opportunity to grieve no longer being single people who were responsible for another human being. Like that's an entire transition, you know. And I, I think we don't grieve tra transitions enough in general. I think when we and thank you for um, positioning the question in that way. I think. We generally think about grief. We think about the physical death of a thing as opposed to situational death. Like I'm leaving a job or I'm leaving a community or I'm leaving a relationship or something is shifting inside of me that's kind of changing how I'm showing up in the world, you know? Um, and so for me, I had to kind of um, sit with how sit with how I hadn't actually sat with it in the first place. And that came later, you know? But for me, 
the the process of being able to at least summon up enough and en- enough energy to get through the next day was writing. Like I, I had to really write the I had to write the things out. And part of part of a big part of the reason I, I was I was writing a lot of essays in that time. And a big part of the reason why I was writing those essays is because what I told myself is I didn't want any of my demons or my issues. Um, I didn't want any of my issues challenging or hurting my daughter. You understand? Like, and the only way for me to do that was to write about them, to write about them and, and succumb to the journey and to the process of it all. And being able to do that, I think, allowed me to have some level of clarity, you know, like some level of um, a deeper understanding of what I was going through. And granted, I would advise all folks in that situation to talk to your therapist, get a therapist. I was not in therapy at the time. A, I couldn't afford it. <laughs> I don't even think I had health insurance, even though I had a job, because I was like, I need this money. Like, I need the money wow. to, like, do all these other things, like, put put away for savings or whatever, what have you. Um, but the but the art, you know, investing myself in the art, I think, changed a lot for me. Like, gave me the room. I needed room to, like, process, you know? Yeah. Hearing what um, you said in your TED Talk and then what you just said now, in your TED Talk, you talked about, I think you were alluding to the fact that your um Lila's mother and you weren't in a long-term healthy committed relationship in the first place and yeah. you weren't together very long before she came into the world mm-hmm. and then you talked about grieving your single life did you not want to have a child did you feel very disempowered in a way and I know that's a super personal question. You can not answer it if you want, but I know I had my daughter when I was 23. Mm. I got I was 22 when I got pregnant, 23 when I had her. Mm. And similarly there was this shock, this complete disembodiment that happened to me of like I'm I'm my body was changing. There the life I was living before, I could not go back to and feeling shame about wanting to continue that life mm-hmm. and being and not being ready for motherhood and not feeling like I really it wasn't something that I wanted and then you had to I had to grieve even that that mm-hmm. shame that comes with that and being yeah. like mm-hmm. c- completely um it was, it's like a birth. There was no way hmm. out. Like there's yeah. only way is through and to experience this thing. Yeah. There is no turning back once the decision was made. So did you want to be a father at the time of her? No, and ne- neither of us did. No. And, 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 yeah. and also thank you for sharing that, Shanti. I think also too, I, I need to also preface the level of privilege in this conversation right that i had like i i wasn't giving birth to a child at all you know like there was no f- I, I don't think you know. they talk about i think that's becoming a new thing now that men are be, that that moral dilemma of men saying yo i don't want this kid mm-hmm. yeah and then women being like i want the kid and then this expectation that they show up as a father when they were very explicitly clear like i yeah. don't want to be a father yeah. so yeah i think i feel like men don't often aren't very heard when it comes to um fatherhood in a lot of ways when they're when they're not ready when an unexpected pregnancy happens and thank you thank you for acknowledging that shanti i I think that's absolutely true i think um i could recognize at the time what i always thought was like um if worst case it got to the point was like worst case scenario i'm just gonna be the fly uncle 
Like I'm just gonna be the like I have I have a shit ton of nephews. I got I got a niece. Like I'm like I got a couple of nieces. I'm like I'm good. Like I love kids. So this is not gonna be. This is this is what my life is gonna be, and I'm gonna be fine with that. Um, I'm also a Capricorn, and so what I tell people is I treat parent parenthood as like work to me. I've also had to reframe what work looks like. I think work can be absolutely beautiful, it can be challenging, but I also think work is beautiful, depending on the work and how we show up for it, and also who we're working with. And and parenthood to me is no different than any other sort of collaboration that happens in the world, you know. Um, and so for me. Um, it was. It was like the. It, I remember when I got the call, you know, and it was like I just knew, <laughs> I just knew. And we got off the phone, and I called my brother, and I cried for like a good three or four minutes. Like I was like, bro, I don't know what to do. Like I, I don't know what to do, because like I'm telling this person, like I'm just gonna, like you're, we're gonna do whatever you want to do, even though I know what I want to do is not, it's not this. Um, but I know if I'm gonna have to do it, I'm gonna show up for it. But nah, I, I was, and I can look back now, and, and even in, in, in when I'm being honest with people, I love being a father. Um, do I miss being not being responsible for two humans? Absolutely. You know, like the idea of like the freedom that comes with, I don't have to conscientiously think about another person when I, like, even like tonight as, as an example, like Bria and I, like I work from home and I go into the office sometimes. Generally, I go into the office Wednesdays and Thursdays. So when I'm talking to Antoinette about how we're going to book this show, I'm also thinking about, well, I'm not going to go into the office today. If I'm going to do this show at 730, I put the girls to bed at seven. Bree is going to have to put the girls to bed instead of me. You know, like oh, it's sorry. all these other. I mean, no, I wanted to do the show. Like we figure it out. It's work. It's life, you know. But like there's all these things that you have to think about. Like you get it, Shanti. It's like there's all these other layers of of, of conversation that either happened here or happened with a parent. And it's like, I miss not having to do that. Negotiate that. <laughs> yeah. That, like, just do things. Like, if I wanted to go see you, I could just go without a child. But like, with a child, you got to figure a sitter. Even if you have a, even if you have a, a, a partner, it's, it, and people tend to think that, especially with fathers, we, fathers get called babysitters sometimes, which is annoying to me, you know, because we're equal parents, at least hopefully. But there's this idea that, oh, you just have another person available. But if I'm looking at, parenting and love in partnership and in collaboration. If I have a colleague who has their own life, their own journey, multiple programs that they're working on, I have to be cognizant of their life that exists outside of this one, two partnership that we have. And if I'm doing that, then that means your time is not always available, you know? Um, so how do we maneuver that? But yeah, a part of me- How do you part, maneuver yeah. it? So let's get into co-parenting because you have a partner. We'll get into that. But you also have, um, what's the first You're baby's co-parenting name? for both. Do you well, consider your the person that you are with? If you, it's either way. You're co-parenting, whether you're with the person or you're not with the person. I believe correct? so. I think we've made, I mean, okay. by definition, we look at co-parenting as like parents who are separated. And part of when the, when the TED team came to me to talk about black father, because that's what they came to talk to me about. I was like, ah, that's that's great. But I don't want to talk about that. A, because- Statistically, it is proven that black fathers show up more than any other demographic. Like, like single black fathers do the most. Whether it's Latino fathers, white fathers, Asian fathers, it doesn't matter. Um, I lived with my daddy growing up. You know, like, and I think some of that is because we feel like the pressure. So, like, there's this idea of how black fathers show up, and is the reality of it. You know, um, 
I think also too, there's this um there's this notion that uh there's this notion that if you're if you're separated and not together, then that's like that's co-parenting. But for me, co-parenting is a dynamic that exists even with guardians. Like in the TED talk, what I'm talking to is anytime that there are two or more people who are willing to invest energy and time and love and support into a child, that is a village, that is a community, we're all co-parenting together. Um, you know, parent, like the, the binary of a parent, like a man and a woman or a man and a man, woman, woman, non-binary person, whomever. But it's like the two people who have governance over this person on a birth certificate. But that's a label. Like, you know what I'm saying? That you have people who, you know, grew up in an era where like sometimes your uncle showed up as a co-parent or like the person on the block showed up as a co-parent because they were mindful of your existence and they were ensuring that you weren't getting in trouble, running in the street, participating in shit that was going to get you hurt. Um so for me, when we talk about co-parenting and it's, it's language I've been playing with lately, it, it's um, we talk about balance and equity a lot. Um, and I think those things are important, but I, I don't think those words actually do justice to what's necessary and needed. Um, because I think um, I think the real word and the word that I've been leaning into more is harmony. Like I want things to be harmonious. Um, balance feels like a scale, like it's 50, 50, 60, 40, 70, 30. And you have to weigh that. Um, that's more of like a stat than I think harmony is a feeling. And so for me, co-parenting is about harmony and finding harmony. Like there's gonna be days where Bria might be doing more than I am. There might be days where I'm doing more than Bria is. And we don't hold it against each other at all ever because we're supporting each other in this process of parents who love each other. The same way with Dadiana, Lila's mom, like I, I love her, you know, like she's not here, you know, cause she's, she, she's, she's in another state. And so that there's been negotiating of how we raise this child, you know? Um, but that to me is about harmony more than anything else. You know, it's about how finding you create that harmony, communication, how are you successful in that okay. communication. Talk more it's about an, that. Yeah. What it's that like, like, it looks like, um, it looks like being okay with not being right. I think it's also being okay with the idea that right and wrong don't actually exist. It's super subjective. Um, I think we as parents and I think we as friends, as lovers, whatever the case may be, we put a lot of stake in being right. Like I was right about this or this is not right, you know? And, you know, that they leave, they're, that leaves out a lot of nuance. It leaves out a lot of um, uh, context. It leaves out a lot of um, di dynamics that exist in, in relationships and like our past and our history and our trauma and our biases and how those all those things show up in the moments of tension, of heat, whatever the case might be. Um, but the only way you get there is through transparent communication and intentional communication. I think sometimes we think we're really clear with people and we're not. Um, I think sometimes we say things that we think this other person will understand because they've known us for five years, 10 years. And if we're looking at change as a transient, ever evolving thing, then that means I need to show up for you as a new person every day, knowing that you have learned something, you've been around something, or you've seen something that might be altering your worldview. And I need to be able to hold space for that. And the only way to do that is to be honest about what I need, what I want, and what I'm not getting and what I'm not receiving from the person that I love and care about, I think. There's um that that sounds like um 
this book called Conscious Loving and Antoinette and I have been talking about it mm. for a long time. And it's just about having conscious relationships and radical honesty and open communication and um, being transparent. And but basically communicating, communicating, communicating just to the the most uncomfortable truth. Um, but it sounds like that that is easy to do with somebody that have, has the same values as you, that has the same language, the same goals in a lot of ways. There's this culture that you share between each other that you can hold each other accountable, often have a lot of grace and compassion for each other because that's part of the culture. But I don't think... Uh, my question to you is, do you think you're lucky because you have partners in which you have this culture? Because that's not, it's not, it's something that's very difficult to do within a relationship with somebody where you're like trying to be together versus I think the um, way that folks approach co-parenting in a lot of ways is I'm only talking to you about my kid. Right. And we're just making agreements about my kid. Tell me what it is. I don't have to tell you about my life. You do not have access to my life. What to speak of my internal workings, what to speak of the most tender parts of myself that I couldn't trust you with in the first place. Mm -hmm. So there's this guard and there's these boundaries that I think people are taught are very actually healthy to have so that you don't go back in whatever toxic cycles mm -hmm. separated you in the first place so the kid doesn't see all of that. So do you think that you were just lucky because you found two dope-ass women that are down for this and you have the language? Or have you worked really hard? And what what was that like for you? Yeah. I mean, I, th I, think, that's, I think that's a great question, Shanti. I mean... <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I love you so much. Period. Period. Question mark. <laughs> I think um to answer that question, I, that hold on, we can't hear you, Joel. That bad. dog is another back. thing that, that you're caring is a for. Baby. <laughs> he like this under here. He saw me, right? Like he tried to we eat my. We see you doing your best. He's trying to eat my shoe. He's trying to eat my shoe. He's trying to eat my shoe. Like, what are you doing, bro? Get out of here. Monty, we apologize. Do your best, King. That's our mm -mm. editor. <laughs> Get that dog just skipping around. It's, it's all right, everybody. We all at home. Go ahead. <laughs> we all at home. Um, I, I think I'm just really intentional. I, I think I spent four years. Um, the, the, the first three to four years of Lila's life were probably the hardest years of my life. And part of that was because I was. I was in a very difficult co-parenting relationship. I think, I think it's actually it's easier for us to succumb to this notion that we can't, we we can't make a thing work, um, in any capacity. I think some people are not compatible, um, and and when I say compatible, I mean compatible just in the sense of like, if we park romance to the side, like we are just two different energies. Um, it took a lot of grace, it took a lot of patience, and it took a lot of love and attention. And it took a lot of me having to show up every single day for the things that I didn't like and for the things that made me uncomfortable for the fights, mm. the constant fights. Like, none of this is happenstance, you know? Like, mm -hmm. and it's unfortunate because it also takes, I in an ideal world, we have two people who come together and say, yes, we both want to commit 
to creating a safe space. And I, honestly, I think a majority of people actually say that. And then they get into the thing and then because they haven't done what they haven't processed the unhealed trauma, they haven't processed any unresolved feelings they have about the ending of the relationship, the, sh- the grief that happens when you haven't recognized the fact that you are now a parent who's responsible for a person. Or you, if you're looking at the socioeconomic issues that might come with being a parent that maybe you weren't prepared for. There were all these things that I had to combat, um, but therapy helped. Therapy gave me a lot of language that I needed in order to show up in love for these situations, even when I showed up in, at times that I know wasn't um, true to myself. Like, I didn't have good boundaries. And so I just wound up doing everything, like everything, you know, and because I wanted to salvage and make sure that this relationship with my child was safe. So I, it was me doing whatever I needed to do in order to keep this alive, you know, and there were times where that didn't look pretty at all. Um, but I think, you know, I, being committed to a purpose, you know, and, and being committed to something that's bigger than you, I think is, is, is where, um, I think I found the most peace. Cause like, that was the reminder for me. It's like, this is not about me. You know, um, I had a, a really good friend of mine, Ashley Simple, um, her therapist had told her one time, like, we're not raising children, we're raising adults. You know, we get so caught up in this notion of like these children who are like one, two, three beautiful babies, but they grow up to be us with their own shit, their own baggage that if I'm not doing the work that they have to deal with. So I need to put the petty to the side because like you're not going to like everybody. You're not going to like we barely like our coworkers. So, of course, we're not going to like sometimes the person who we're raising a child with. It doesn't matter. You know, I think the boundaries are important, right? Because you can still have an amicable relationship that doesn't need to be like, hey, we're buddy, buddy. What are you doing tonight for drinks? Like, it's about raising this child, this human together. But that ha- that has to be done with love. Because if the love is the center, then my relationship with you, I don't think is as important as the relationship that we share together for this child. Mm. Say that again. I can't. If the love can't. is the center. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't remember. I don't remember. Oh what I, but you said if, if the love is the center, then if the love is the center, uh, the, the, if the love is the center, then my like my if the love is the center, then my feelings about you or my feelings for you have nothing to do with the relationship you and I share when it comes to raising this child. You know, like so, we the say, love is separate from that. Yeah, the love is I, always ever present. Absolutely, and the relationship is just circumstance. And like, it'll be, and it's going to suck sometimes. And I think that's the thing. It's like Mm. social media does a really good job of painting this idea or this ideal of what relationships look like, whether it be co-parenting, whether it be siblings, whether it be whatever. And it's like, they're just hard days. Like, and I've written about them. Like part of my TED talk was like, this is not easy. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't saying it in a way that was lambasting her mom, because like, she's an awesome human being. And like, and she, it was just, we were just going through our shit. And like, we had to figure it out. And like, I knew I had to figure it out for me first. And I think that's the thing. Like, if I'm looking at her as a mirror, the first thing I have to do is look at myself. And I think a lot of Mm. what we tend to do is go, what are you not doing? And what I had to say is, what am I not doing? And there was a point in time where I was like, okay, I need to, I'm not centering love enough because we keep having these same arguments. We fighting over the same bullshit. That has nothing to do with this child. And I'm mad because I want things to be a certain way. And it's like, it's not that way. So what are we going to do about it? You know? Um, so, yeah. Hmm. It's really interesting that um, 
the dynamics of power that come up in relationships, gendered relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and I, re I remember, and in, to this day, um, I think, especially, it's so many intersections because there's like the male, female binary, then there's, you know, marriage, single, co-parenting, separated. Um, and then there's race involved, right? So there's these stories and these narratives and these conditionings, um, shit that we see that we that cannot be denied. Mm. But for me, you know, there was so much pride and expectation as a woman to be the nurturer and mm. the and the sole caretaker. And so when my daughter was born, one, you're breastfeeding, so there's not a lot of, at least I breastfed, there's not a lot of room for the, the man, or I guess that was kind of like the beginning of the, sh the what do you call that? The shit being set in a yeah. particular way. Yeah. Of, you know, just the child's physically on you and taking from you. Mm. And we didn't create many practices where he, he would actually take the child or lay with the baby. Um, and so then these habits start being formed where you are the sole provider in a lot of ways for the child and food. And then there's the, just the domestic duties that a woman takes on. And there's this weird dynamic that I don't know that women often admit as well of there's resentment that you're taking on all of this labor, but there's also a deep doubt that the man could even ever do it. You know what I mean? Like you, I'm not, you, fuck you, you're not doing anything, but you actually, I don't think you can, and I'm not gonna give you the opportunity to do it. And so mm. men are put in this really hard space where they're where they probably end up doubting themselves in a lot of ways too because mm -hmm. they don't have the opportunity um and so this co-parenting doesn't happen and i don't think it's because men don't want to but i think women in a lot of ways hoard and then resent the labor that mm. is required to take care of a child because deep down we don't think that the men can do it Mm -hmm. better than us or um we haven't seen it be done i think mm -hmm. for in my case i just ha I, I just don't see it you just see men as bumbling and in, in media and you know Damn. sitcoms in a lot of ways the men are just like when it comes to domestication and taking care of kids they just oh i i just did not have that experience so my father wasn't like that but he definitely wasn't hands-on and and he I, I this nurturing thing he definitely provided um you know counsel in a way mm -hmm. but it wasn't like we're doing this thing i'm washing you antoinette had a antoinette's dad used to do her hair so he like washed, she just had he did my hair every morning he a, watched a completely different experience me. <laughs> until we became of age where he was like all right it's inappropriate now but like, yeah, no. you know, we had yeah. a very, a lot of intimacy. So yeah, that's interesting. But as a mother, I didn't, I didn't expect that or demand that or even allow 
for space for that in a lot of ways and and then was resentful about it but didn't understand why well i think also oh, too shanti you were so you were young too like so like oh child we both were we ain't know nothing about nothing <laughs> you know what i'm saying like you know <laughs> and, 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 I, us. and i i think that there's a lot of grace required for that for you and him in that in that space because like what what do you know at 23 20, what like i i think you know, Shout like out to baby Jojo, just tolerate, just looking at us. Like, <laughs> no, you did a great fucking job. How did I get a great job? Stop. <laughs> they don't know shit. This is the one. I had one this job. Is... <laughs> one job. Now, nah, but we I'm sure. Remedial over here. <laughs> but did you have that experience, Joel? Though. Be me as far you, as like as a did child. Did you have or... the experience of, of like not being able? To, well, one, how did it feel? Well, to were your children breastfed? Did you feel like you could get in there in the beginning? Could you have that intimacy that and and show up for your daughters with like a certain level of care? Mm-hmm. I think that it did was. Did you know it, how to? Did th- was it required of you? Sound like his I, mama gave it though. Yeah, and so like it was. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. It was easy. Like when I uh, so when Lila before Lila was born and and Dadiana and I were not intimate. There was no like. We're not together, but like we just were not intimate at all. I, we were present, and we were going through our own shit. Like it was just, it was just not healthy. And that's her like, mother. Yeah, and and You're saying their names, okay. Yeah, and so because because there was no intimacy there, like I had to figure out other ways to talk to Lila. Like there was no like listening to the belly. You know, what I'm saying there was none of that stuff. So what I had to do was I would talk to trees. You know, like I would talk to Lila through trees. There were two trees in St. Mary's Park in the Bronx that I would talk to during my lunch break. And I named them Ben and I named them Jerry. And I would put my hand to the tree and I put my other hand in my heart and I would talk to her. So when Lila was born, it wasn't the first day. Like I didn't have the, oh my God, this is my child. Like I didn't have that moment. But like around the third or fourth day, I would see Lila like look at the light. And she would, her eyes would just always go to the light. It wouldn't go any place else. But wherever I light was, she would find it. And I was like, oh, this is my child. And, like, I just knew it. And so, like, there wasn't, like, I was doing Lila's hair. I've been, I've been bathing Lila up, Lila seven, until it was like, okay, girl, you <laughs> about, mm-hmm. like, six. Okay, this is this is, this is is troubling, you know. Um, but, like. It's the worst it, transition for a girl. It is. It's hard. It's hard, especially as a father, because you're cognizant of the world. If you're cognizant, if you're cognizant of the world, as a and so like Lila was in daycare very early, like three months in. So like she was bottle, she was on the bottle, like breastfeeding was minimal, and so like I was immediately able to step in. And so when I did, I went full, like I'm a I'm a Capricorn, so if I'm gonna go in, I'm gonna go hard. I'm like I right, pick her up, pick up, drop off, daycare, all the things. With West, it was a little different because Bria was breastfeeding to to West was two. Bria would have been still probably breastfeeding if I hadn't been like, girl, you need to stop breastfeeding this child because you are tired and West is running a muck. And <laughs> it was hard to, like Shashanti, to your point, I had to, for us as men, because we don't generally have the language, I had to figure out where is the ways that I can insert myself. And I had the privilege of having a child prior to, so there was some experience there. But it's like, okay, when she's not feeding, what am I doing? You know, like, what does the skin to skin contact look like? And, and generally, the re- I knew that because I had just been doing a lot of digging. I'm a reader. But like, when you're in the hospital, they don't be talking to the fathers about this stuff. Like, they, they briefly mention it, but so much of it is like breastfeed, breastfeed, breastfeed. And it's, it's about night nursing. And it's about 
all the things that that a woman, which is important, but like there's no conversation that happens for a father to be like, but here's also how you get to show up. Part of my job was to also take care of Bria. That was my primary thing. Take care of Bria so she can take mm. care of West. Like that's how it, right. Like that's yeah. the function. Like mm-hmm. I need her, like she's going to be doing this. There's nothing really I can do besides change the diaper, bathe her. But even then, to your point, there was a level of even knowing how experienced I was as a father. There was a part of her that was like, eh, can he do this? And it's like, yes. <laughs> you know, but like there's a level of martyrdom that happens even outside of motherhood. Like, yes. y'all, y'all know this. I don't know, you what, know? It, what kicks in. Yeah. It's almost unnatural to share it. You're like, what? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And, and if y'all grew up in a household where you were taking care of everybody, siblings, boyfriends, cousins, uncles, and it's because like, I got this. Don't worry about it. Because if you do, if you do it, you're not going to do it the way that I know is right. But it's like if people don't fail in front of us, they will never know the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. And you'll keep mm-hmm. doing the thing that's breaking your back because it's easier to do that than to allow people to to fail you. But the only way people can love you is by failing you. Sometimes you gotta you gotta fuck some shit up. Unfortunately, like oh, it's not you don't like it this way. Yeah. Oh, you don't want it this way. Oh, you don't like when I move here. Okay, cool. But you gotta let me do that though. Yeah. You know? Gems. Gems, Joelle. So that's Joelle the father, right? <laughs> yeah. Now we go get into, chow, Joelle the partner. <laughs> Interesting. Listen, we've been trying to talk about this goddamn relationship anarchy. <laughs> and Joelle, it was you that brought it up. Now you I said, did. do you want to talk did. about this? And I we did. were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, I what did. the fuck is that? So we had to look it up. <laughs> Again. I did. I like did. Anarchy? Is that a yeah. show on HBO? Anyway, <laughs> to look it up. And then we were like, whoa, yeah. this is interesting. So, Joel, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how, I, I actually should have talked to you about this. I don't know how personal you'd like to get. And I ain't about to ask you to. If you would like to, cool. But talk to us about relationship anarchy. Help us understand it in the terms that you understand it. And then we can say, you know what? Because we're reimagining relationships here, right? Yeah. We've reimagined yeah. what fatherhood looks like. Yeah. What, you know, what co-parenting looks like. Understanding yeah. that co-parenting happens even when you are married, even mm-hmm. when, you, when you're not together, when you are living together, whatever the case is, you are co-parenting. You are in a partnership. That sounds like it needs to be rooted in love, communication, out and all the buzzwords now talk to us about this other thing here because i got a question about if i need a kidney and <laughs> somebody else need a kidney who getting a kidney well we'll get there <laughs> okay so go right on now i mean we'll get <laughs> Break i mean it down. <laughs> the kidneys i mean we'll get there but i think um i think context is important in that kidney conversation you know um We'll get to that. Um, I think uh, so. Like relationship anarchy is essentially the 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 um, absolvement or dissolution of of hierarchies. So like, if we're we'll think of it in, in in like some, we'll think about this in like let's say romantic relationships. Like there's a relationship escalator. Like I meet you, I take you out on a date. We go out on a couple of dates. We decide that we are not going to be partnered. Boyfriend and girlfriend, boyfriend and boyfriend, non-bi, whatever. Like we are partner now. We're booed up. 
the next step in this escalator will be, okay, now that we're booed up, someone is going to propose somebody, right? Um, depending on what culture you're in, maybe, or if depending on what your religion or faith is, you might not move in until that happens. But there's going to be an engagement. There's going to be a proposal. There's going to be some level of moving in together. You're then going to get married. And when you get married, you're then going to say, oh, we should not move into like maybe a home. Maybe we move from this apartment complex into a home. Then maybe we have a car. We might get a car. Then we're going to say we're going to have a baby. We might even get a dog. Um, but we keep doing it's the escalator, right? Is these there are mm-hmm. steps that we take in order to solidify our relationship. Relationship anarchy is like, eh, none of that is actually real or it matters. Um, and the, and it's not for everybody. Um, relationship anarchy for me, um, what it does do is I think bring a truer sense of community. Um, I think also too, and this is where it gets tricky for some people. I think because. It doesn't mean that labels do not exist, but what it does mean is that the labels do not yield power over others in those ways. So it's like my if somebody's my best friend, that means the other friends are not um the other friends are not given the same energy. And what I tell people is like the same way yes. and again, this is gonna this is gonna make people probably more uncomfortable, but the same ways that I love Bria, my partner, is no different than the way that I love Lila. It's actually no different than the way I love you, Antoinette, or you, Shanti, or Steve, my next door neighbor. Um, now. No. <laughs> Wait, let him finish, Shanti. Now. <laughs> now, people might ask, okay, what does that look like? And it's like, well, you know, and like, what's the difference? People say, okay, then what's, then why do you even have a partner? Well, it's like, we have physical things. Like, we have a home together. We have a child together. Bree is my benefactor. Like, if I die, she's on my life insurance. So, like, there might be a high, we can look at that. And, like, I'm not the, I'm not a true relationship anarchist because of that, right? Like, for all intents and purposes, Bria would be considered, like, my nesting partner, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she is that person. Um, but for me, it's the, when I'm thinking about what community looks like, hierarchies, I think, do more to divide us than create community. Um, and I don't necessarily know if they've done us um, a service in the ways that we think they do. But that's interesting. Shanti, ask away. I was thinking. Um, I was thinking about Antoinette and Maya's relationship, and I was thinking about the hierarchy thing, and I feel like so many of us in a lot of ways are in practice of um, being able to hold important relationships at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily have the language around it. All of my partners, for the most part, have been like, oh, you and Antoinette, you and Antoinette, like, some being extremely threatened by it, others that's just noticing it and being like, yo, there's no body that's going to replace Antoinette. Like that y'all have something that that they were in, in no terms trying to compete with. But yeah, so I feel like we all share, we all practice this in some way that we just don't have language around. And like, I fuck with that. And I understand that deeply. Um, but I think what 
is the hardest thing? What is the the scariest thing for Mm. me in all of this is commitment. Because, yeah, the theory sounds good. All of this sounds good. But there's a level of trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there has to be a serious, com- like people really have to be committed to this to work. Mm. And I do not trust sometimes my own, what to speak of other people's level of commitment to things, especially as a mother. So mm. I both think, I both, I-, I often just be like, oh, that's for single people. You guys have less <laughs> risk. You mm. have less um need in a lot of ways so you guys can play around with this idea of community we helping each other out yeah i'm gonna go help my friend who has a kid but when it comes to like 10 tones down like i have this kids when it comes to children in particular that's when i think people then it then it becomes like oh no i I actually Mm. which then makes me trust or feel even though it's a, fa- a false sense of security in this nuclear family, in mm. this proposal, in this idea of like, I'm making a real claim to you and there's there's risk, it, like we're crossing a threshold. And then I'm like, okay, then it's real, which is complete nonsense. Of course it's not. But yeah, it sounds good until kids are involved, in my opinion. Yeah. You guys are all having your fun, you know, <laughs> taking care of somebody's kid every once in a while. But I when but the 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 time commitment of raising a child, a baby mm. till 18 and just like you said, like the real love of like no, we got to see this kid through. We got to see yeah. this village through. Niggas crumble. Mm. Mm. I fuck with you, Shanti. I do. Women don't. <laughs> but like internet <laughs> I'm sorry, and that's where, I, when, like, Antoinette and my girlfriends, there's just something that's intrinsically, I don't know. It's just hard. It, well, I, I think, I've been really thinking about this, and I really want to be like, yeah, but I'm like, but no, I, I don't think that's a fault. Tiffany's buy me a ring. <laughs> I don't think that's the fault of relationship anarchy. I think that's the fault of a system. Like, I think the flaws are not the people. It's the people who are operating in a system that's creating this environment where you can't trust them to do that. Because ID, like when we talk about abolition, right? Like, and shout out to, oh, to, to my homegirl, my homegirl Zola, who I love dearly. Like, when we talk about reimagining, like I think about Freedom Dreams by Dr. Robin D.G. Kelly, an awesome and amazing read I recommend to anybody. It's really about reimagining black freedom and liberation. What does that look like? And, and part of the framework for that. Part of when I'm having conversations with Zola, who is an ab- abolitionist based out of Minneapolis, who is doing phenomenal work in the community. But part of this understanding is like we have to actually be willing to imagine a world, Chanti, where like that is the ideal. I'm not saying relationship anarchy is the ideal, is but the, the ideal, ideal of like everyone being 10 toes down. Because like when we talk about community, I think there's a way that we generally, and not you two, and I don't think myself either. I think us are in agreement about what community actually looks like which is being 10 toes down. And granted, that doesn't mean that Antoinette has to bear all the work because you have a community of sisterhood, right? That's like, if she ain't got it, then she got it. If she ain't got it, then she got it. Like, we, But that means if she had it, though, we all got it because we're in this together, right? Like that, 
that idea of community is like embedded in um, love. It's embedded in intention and it's embedded in recognizing that we only are strong as the person standing next to us. But not everyone operates from that, unfortunately, because we don't all have the language. We don't have access to the language. We don't have tools. If we do have the tools, we don't know how to use them. You know, like I use this example of like my mom, like my mom, my mom knows how to text. My mom learned how to text four years ago. She'd been at a cell phone. It's not like she didn't have the tool to text with. She just didn't know how to text. Someone had to show her. And I think we assume that people have tools and have access to the language that that means they're going to then adopt the language into and integrate it into their world. But you got to sometimes you got to teach people English. Like me putting a book in front of you, if you don't know how to read, means nothing. I have to I have to show you a little bit. And then if you're still not learning how to read in a year from now then or six months, and I'm like, all right, well, you know, I did what I could. I you know, I am I th- I am about to maybe embarrass myself, but I I think a lot of it stems from a couple fear for me when it comes to my initial like hold up. I'm all about when you were talking about the elevator, I'm like, no, none of those steps need to take place. Why can't we just stop at we really, really like each other and stay there like for a long at like for as long as we can. Like, let's stay there. Right. And if the other stuff comes to be because, listen, splitting bills is sounds wonderful to me, truly. But I still that again, I've all I've I've kept it consistent on here where the idea of living with someone it would have to look a certain way because I do need my own space so I need my own cave and you need your own cave but I still want to sleep next to you every night but I gotta have like a place to retreat anyway I say all that to say you know that portion sounds good but then I think that I want the hierarchy (laughs) a little bit where it's like wait wait I am very capable and similar to Shanti where I had the last relationship I was in, he was very threatened by all of my relationships. Um, and the fact that I was completely able to love people. Now it was a different kind of love, but love nonetheless, right? Mm. There was a specific love that he got from me. But I also, this is, is ego and it's also a little bit of fear, scarcity. Cause I'm like, hold mm-hmm. up now. If I didn't need that kidney, <laughs> she, who the fuck is getting the kid? Like, I don't want to hear that the person you love from the grocery store getting the kidney and then I needed the kidney. Hold up. Yeah. So there, to me, it's like I, we live in a world where we would like to think, and I believe it's possible that there is abundance, and I, I think that does exist, but. In re- but in a capitalist world, sometimes there is lack. Mm-hmm. And then you have to pull resources and all that kind of jazz. I think it's possible to have community, right, without necessarily losing the, I got your kidney <laughs> aspect. Because here's the thing. There, I think it makes sense. I think it packages it up in a way where Shanti and myself, I am not, I'm not partnered. I'm not even dating anybody. Right. I don't have children at this point. All of my, everything will go to my sister and my godson 
And now and I got a new goddaughter, so maybe she I gotta break her off a little piece. She a baby though, so I don't really know. We're gonna see. <laughs> but it that the way that it's structured in society, that it we make sense of it in that way, and that is the world that we live in. Um, you know, I wanna hear it, it it's all it's not a hierarchy in terms of I come first, I demand this. Mm. I think it's a just a I, I don't know how to describe it because it's not an ownership. I don't feel ownership either. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think it's just a, I, I know it that sh I, it's so not, it's not to me though. It really isn't. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I have ownership over you. I play around a lot and I'm like, who's your best friend though. And that's like me joking. But to me, I, I know that if I was down and out, I know I can call on you. And, and, and I think it's just the way that I communicate. Cause I mm -hmm. don't have the language for anything else. You know, I know that that you're the person I can call when I'm not down and out, when I've just had mm. a the, my biggest breakthrough and I'm safe there. You will celebrate it. You know, like there's clarity around these kind of titles, yeah. even though I reject the way the titles are set up. Like you can we can be in relationship, we can be partner, but our relationship can look different. Mm hmm. Do you, does that make sense? Yeah, like absolutely. you can be my person, I could be your lady, you could be my man, but we can live separately. But I'm still giving you my kidney if you need it. Yeah, and I'm no. not gonna give it to Susie from the bus stop. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. But I mean, is do okay. y'all both need kidneys at the same time? Yes, but like yes. it's always at it's the, the same, same time. time. It's at the same time. There, nobody else <laughs> in the world can yeah. give them the kidneys. But so then who is this? <laughs> But then you know, I'm curious. I'm, that's probably not the best use of an example. But I'm, I'm just saying, like resources, you yeah. know, they're gonna go to X person first. I have to make sure they're good before I, you know, deplete them. I have to make sure that I feel like the same way you would for your children. No, yeah. I don't. Okay. I, then I how think was you're not, the real abolitionist oh. work? Then that's what I. <laughs> That's what I understand. That's what I don't understand, and it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's all a theory. I we're get it, simpletons. but it's not really. Yeah, no, that shit. If it's going to be real, then that shit has to actually be at risk and has to actually be forfeited. Like something we can't continue the same structures and just put different names on it and not forfeit or sacrifice. This idea of passing on wealth, this idea of mm -hmm. economic, physical safety. I think that that's just the cost. Not to say that I'm not to say I'm ready to do it. But in my mind, I think that in order for something else to be reimagined, something has to be sacrificed and it has to be these values that are based on capital and ownership so uh, you don't get the kidney you might not get the kidney and, and i the, think and the money might go to some other kids that need <laughs> it but but if we're all mm. living in that space you probably would get the kidney and little sean and the sweet baby would be okay let's let's let joel talk and, <laughs> but, but no but no no because i think i think shots to your point what i what i also think about internet is like if you're willing to imagine a world in which you and somebody else were both going to need a kidney at the same time from this one person, then you could also probably imagine a world where, to Shanti's point, there are multiple people who could donate the kidney. Like, we... And like, if we I had this. a child, yeah, 
and Shanti needed a kidney. I don't know if you're, I would give her that kidney. Yeah, if, but you keep, even if they didn't need it at the same time. I'm being honest. I might be like, my kid might need a kidney one day. But I then don't you don't. Know. But that's it. And like we, but that's we make crazy. so many. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. I know. I it know. is. It is because we I make know. we make so many decisions based and centered around what could be or what could happen. And it's like we don't. But I think the magic Fear, and the blessing. lack. And like I know. And, e- and I'm ego. through it. And you said it though, ego. And like the more we can be, the more like non. When I I open this by saying non attachment is my practice. I, I like think ego. <laughs> it's because not non attachment, non attachment for me is, is the ability to show up for any given circumstance, recognizing that it might not turn out the way that I wanted to, and I can't cling to this thing being a certain way because nothing is ever a certain way. Like mm. when you look at a weather report and it says it's going to rain and it doesn't rain. It says it's going to be forty percent chance of rain and it snows. It's like we can't control any of these things, and yet we try to control so much because we have so little control over anything. So the things Ooh. we can't control, we control with an iron fist. So my relationship needs to be this way. My love life needs to be this way. It's like all these things that need to be a way that we cannot control because people are grown and will make decisions that have nothing to do with us. You know, they're making decisions based on their own set of circumstances, their beliefs, their biases, their projections, their trauma, their love, I their wants, their needs. I don't disagree with that. You know? But, I and don't there's disagree nothing... with that. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong though with being like, I want to, I want... I want somebody to be my primary. I think even with relationship and our case of manifesto, okay. it's a it's the idea that you can reimagine what this existence gets to be. And shot to your point, what I love, you framed this earlier. Like you don't have to love everything in a manifesto either. Like mm. the constitution is a piece of shit. But like there's certain things that are like, all right, cool. I can fuck with that. Like, all right, you know, maybe. There's like one, two amendments, you know. I think I'm not a biblical person, but I know enough of the Bible to know a lot of it does not make sense to me. And like, I think we've made it make sense because of faith and how we've been indoctrinated and colonialization, whatever. Another podcast, another time. You want the right think, podcast for that one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, I think part of it is like, we get to say, oh, but there's different interpretations of the Bible. There's different books of the Bible, right? There are different versions of the Bible. And depending on which version we're uh, we are tuned to based on our own set of circumstances and beliefs, that's going to shift how we see the world. We don't have to agree on everything. And I think we think for utopia, we have to agree on everything. And it's like, no, we just need to be able to say, I can live in love with this person and recognize that we're all trying to get towards liberation. That's it. Hmm. However you get there, I'm cool with. As long as it's not infringing on the beliefs and the well-being of the other people who I fuck with. You know? So, like, get free, don't fuck with a trans person. Get free, don't fuck with the babies. Get free, don't fuck with disabled people. Like, you can get free without having to be like, well, my way of living is the right way. It's like, what What does that mean? You know? That really resonated with me. Like, I, that's why I get... That's that's why I get a little bit confused with this topic because I feel like I'm very open to a relationship looking, um, I guess, very unique mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of what we've imagined relationships to be. If I have, if I'm not around my partner, if it's long distance or whatever it is, but I think I'm also programmed, um, and. And I think it's just my way of being to really want one primary partner for intimate, for a certain kind of intimacy, because I'm intimate with Shanti, I'm intimate with other people, but for sexual intimacy, for that kind of closeness, um, 
and care. And even if, again, we're not in the same proximity with one another, we're freed up and like they're traveling, you know, they're living their life. I would like to know still that that's my per like that's my person. There doesn't have to be a ring. There doesn't have to be all this shit. But just between us, that that's that this person is a safe haven for me, and we allow each other to grow and to blossom, and we allow our relationship to do the same thing. And if it if it stays forever, great. But if, and if not, we, we respect what it was, but know that like we were for that period of time, we were each other's person. Mm. I just. That those are your core set of relationship values. Yeah, I think so. You gotta yeah. create your own core set of relationship values. Yeah. Do you yeah. know your core set relationship values? Can you like, we had a guest on this podcast and he was like yeah i'm a brb qr oh, dar? like again yeah, he went and i thought it was like you some know sex dar, shit right? joel oh yeah yeah but dar, it wasn't yeah, yeah, sex yeah, yeah. shit he you was like just naming values like i want somebody that's loving kind and likes to like is that how he sounds it was it wasn't acronyms it, for sex say how stuff. He said it, it was again? real wholesome I was can like, you oh. say how he said it just one more time i can't okay i want that somebody good. that's that's it he was that's like it. bdrsdd and i was like what that's it. that's it in the sex and he was like no it means loving kindness and <laughs> transparency and honesty and i yeah. was like <laughs> okay cool i mean i mean I, I don't have any acronyms per se but it's like i want to be i want to be loved i want to be seen and i want to be valued i want to yeah. feel like my voice matters i want to feel like um and i want to feel supported in the way that i dream and, and and reimagine the world and i want and i want to be able to do that with a person um it's, it's pretty simple like Bria and i Bria, my partner Bria and i talk about this a lot it's like we don't really require much from each other Besides, like, open honesty, trust, right, and loving each other. Like, I'm, I'm gonna love Bria regardless of how she shows up in the world. You know, there's nothing I wouldn't do for Bria, and she knows that. Mm -hmm. And I think when, when I hit, when we talk about safe havens, I think there's something we do with romance that I always find very interesting, which is like, and, and we only do it in romantic partnership, right? Like, Antoinette, you have multiple friends, friend, like. Even if there's not a hierarchy, oh, Shanti's I, my safe haven. I'm about to say, right? But like, yeah. oh, oh, yeah, I don't disregard that at all. Yeah, I have and, many but, safe yeah. havens. Yeah, yeah. And for us, like, there's something though about romantic partnership that I think calls to mind for us, like, the want, and sometimes I think the need to have a person, like a person who is not the primary source of that, because that's not how you operate in the world. Um, but who is the person who you go to for very specific things, which I think we do in general, though, outside of romantic partnerships, like they're, you know, like this is the, these are the people yeah. I go clubbing with. These are the people I do the doing with. These are the people, this is the person, I, whatever, you know? And unlike you, though, I think there are a lot of other folks who show up in the world who are very much about possessiveness and ego. And mm -hmm. because I, I tell people all the time, like, even if we're talking about, let's say, polyamory, polyamory really, all polyamory is by definition is the ability to have multiple romantic relationships. That's it. Romance could be anything. Romance could be hand-holding. It could be kissing. It could just be intimacy that's mm -hmm. like exists outside of your romantic partnership, 
whatever the case might be. But we box things in so often because of our fear. Um, And so for me, my the reason my values are so simple and part of that, again, is not attachment. It's like I can't control what other people are going to do. All I can control is how much love I offer and put into a space. And so if I can if I can control and monitor that, then that also means I need to be okay with people leaving when they say they're not going mm. to. Like I think and Shanti, you could tell me, but like when I think about being a parent, if we're parenting the right way, I think non attachment is a big part of how we show up because if one day our kids are not going to want us. Like we, there's that phase of like, uh, your parents you, you guys suck. I have a twelve year old, so it's it's she's on the brink. Yeah, she's <laughs> Like edgy. It's terrifying. <laughs> and then they come back, but it's it's the relationship shift. And so often we have a fixed idea of what our relationships are gonna be like. And it's like I can't control the weather. So what in the world makes me think I'm gonna control this human being who even if they came from me, even if we came from the same hood, they have their own set of beliefs and governance that has nothing to do with what I want for them. You know? Non-attachment allows us to not cling to that idea of what we think a relationship should be or who our people should be, you know? That, yeah, that's a great point. I I think as you were talking about that, you definitely clarified some things for me. And I, I think I realized within myself, part of, part, a big part of the safe haven that I'm speaking about in terms of the intimate, um, like sexual partner relationship, the romantic relationship, um, has to do with that sexual component. It's like Shanti mm-hmm. is a safe haven. I lay in her bed and try to cuddle her. She might get away from me sometimes, but I, I get her <laughs> back. But there's still like, there's a level, there's an, an other levels that I, I can't and don't explore yeah. with her. It's not the nature of our relationship that mm. I really want. And I think based off of my previous sexual abuse, just me really coming into my body, owning my body. That's something that feels really sacred. Mm. And at this point, at this juncture of my life, that's something that I really would like to explore safely with one person. Mm. Mm. That's the safe haven. I think that's what I've craved for so long. And Mm. even in most of my sexual and romantic relationships, I haven't always felt safe sexually Mm. or physically in terms of like with my body and it being accepted and it being loved and really like taking the time for pleasure. So that's, I think where I gravitate towards, I just want that one person for that. And maybe that's too much pressure. Maybe that's me asking for someone. I'm really, I'm not asking for them to be perfect. I'm asking for them to show up and and play and explore. Right. And just not be a dickhead. But Maybe once I start to feel more comfortable, that might open up, you know, like maybe once I have that real experience, I'd be like, oh, this is great. Mm-hmm. Let's revisit this, the nature of, you know, our relationship. I don't know. But I think that's where that stems from and why that's just such a want. And I mean, me. first of all, thank you for for sharing that one. Um, oh, that's not new. But thank you. You're saying, though, like, you know, sharing is caring. Um I also think that makes absolute sense. And I think, you know, again, privilege, right? Like even when we think about like ethical monogamy or ethical non-monogamy, whatever the case might be, like ethical non-monogamy is hard because the patriarchy doesn't necessarily allow for that to flourish in the ways that it can because ownership and ego and 
I need you to be a certain way as a woman to show up and like we can have a throuple and there's going to be a woman involved, but we can't imagine a world in, way in which you're having sex with another man because I own you and your body is a vessel and it's blah, 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 blah. Like it's all these things that are very much rooted in the patriarchy. Um, and, and like whether we can understand that or not, like that's a deeper conversation. But I think what I'm trying to get to is this notion of um, like the freedom and liberation that we seek and want is hard to do in the system. You know, so many of us are operating still under a system like and we get mad at people. And it's a conversation I was having recently at work because we were talking about and shout out to um, um, Natalia um, Villobos, um, one of my co-workers um, at the Times. And we were talking about systems and how like we get mad at people. At the Times. <laughs> that is the New York Times. Continue, King. <laughs> I hate you so much. Um, I just had to pick that name up. You had dropped. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Natalia was basically like we were talking about like we, we get mad at the people, but we don't recognize the people are still operating under a system. You know, like people are like whether it's capitalism, whether, whether it's white supremacy, racism, it's all these isms and these things that are keeping us in bondage. You know, so like the freedom that you're talking about, Internet, could very well be possible, but it would require the person right on the other side. And I think, Shanti, this goes back to what you're talking about, 10 toes deep. And 10 toes in really means that people have to actually adopt that as a principle. And people are not willing to do the work. The, the, the idea is not wrong. I think the idea of relationship anarchy, honestly, I think the idea of polyamory, I think all these things actually make a lot of sense. But it's there are systems in place that don't allow us the opportunity to reimagine the, the truth that we've been fed. And not to say there's anything wrong with these certain things, but I think a lot of, and Anton, I think you and I have talked about this, is like the, the things that I'm most drawn to are curiosity. The people I'm drawn to the most are the most curious. They ask the most questions. And so many of us, and I think Shanti, you touched on this a little bit, Anton, and you as well. So many of us, we say yes to things without actually recognizing that it was a thing that we never had a choice with in the first place. So we say yes to monogamy. We say yes to marriage. We say, and all these things that I think can work. But if we're not asking ourselves, like, what do I, what do I, not like what my parents told me, not what my church told me, not what my mosque said, not what my elders are saying, but like, what do I actually want? And questioning that and questioning our roles as mothers, as fathers, as siblings, as partners. If we're not asking those questions, then we don't get free. Cause then we're not unboxing, we're not unpacking the things that we're bond, that, that, that are binding us. Like, if I'm not, if I'm a Zionist, right? And I believe in this idea as, as as Israel, as the supreme state. If someone told me, who are you if you aren't a Zionist, if that's my identity, you're questioning everything that I've instilled in myself to be true. And if if my masculinity is my truth and the only thing I've ever learned to adopt as principle, so I get, I'm, I'm the toughest, I'm the strongest, I'm the alpha, you know, what if I get in a car accident? Like the things that we imagine that make us masculine, like how how tall you can stand, how strong you can be. Like you lose those things and you lose your identity. And so many of us have adopted these things as our identities. And if we're not detaching ourselves from these things, we are not going to get free. That's where the freedom is. It's, it's in the non-attachment, you know? Well, ladies and gentlemen and non-binary folks, kings, queens, royalty, there you have it, Joelle Leon.
You like fire thank horns? Thank you so much. Thank you, Joelle. No, nah, thank, thank y'all. I, I've been wanting to be on the show with y'all for a while. So Shut this up. Is nice. I'm serious. <laughs> Girl, we've been trying to plan this show since last year. We have. You're right. You're right. Thank you. And, and <laughs> we made it happen. Listen, I, before we go, I have two things. I have to put you two on the spot. I don't know which one you want to do first. Oh, my God. We usually do an around the way affirmation. We haven't had one in a very long time. And Joelle, since you are the affirmation man on IG... <laughs> Not yeah. a writer, not a poet, Aff- not a performer, but you an affirmation be it. <laughs> I don't know if you could lead us in an around the way affirmation. I don't know that you've ever heard one. They don't sound like you particularly, <laughs> but we get there. They're, they're a little around the way, but they are indeed affirming. That and the, oh, we also always have rapid fire questions with our guests. So which one would you like to do first? Let's do the I'm affirmation. Really given many. Okay. Let's do the affirmation Let's all first. bow our heads. Monty, cue the music. Yeah. We get to love ourselves better than we did yesterday. Um, I think there's real healing involved when we can open ourselves up to the opportunity to like grow in love with ourselves before we decide to grow in love with other people. And like when we can center that love as the first thing we do, the first thing we sit with, the first thing we get to be with, it also facilitates the opportunity for us to be in love and with love with other people in community. Like in, to Shanti's point, be 10 toes in. Like the goal is for us to all be invested in the process of loving each other in spite of our flaws and the difficulties surrounding how we show up in love for each other. So like if I can be in love with myself first, it's going to help me better navigate how I can be in love with other people too. So love yourself better today than you did yesterday. Yes. <laughs> That's it. Shanti said yes. Okay, I say namaste, a baby. That was the that was the best that was one of the best affirmations that we've had. Oh, that's very awesome. good, Joel. I love you. Very good, yeah. Joel. <laughs> very good by you. I was like, damn, Shanti, Shanti. It wasn't as around the way as um, but it you was know, needed. It to. was necessary. But that was it necessary. Was... I could have. You right. wanted to do it again with some gunshots? No, it was yeah, perfect. You got throw, you know, <laughs> fuck shit, damn. Yeah, fuck niggas. <laughs> yeah, you know. niggas. But also. <laughs> Listen, Shanti, (laughs) can you run down how uh, rapid fire works? All right. You have, we're going to give you two options. Okay. Pick one of the options. You don't explain why. You don't ask any questions. You have three seconds to respond and go. Ready? Yep. Ready. Malcolm or Martin? Martin. Generational wealth or familial happiness? The latter. Jay or Nas? Jay. Mac or Sephora? Oh, what? <laughs> Palestine or Israel? Oh, Palestine forever. In the light or in the dark? In the light. Prince or Michael? Prince. Sweet or savory? Savory. Trader Joe's or Whole Foods? Trader Joe's. Voodoo or brown sugar? Voodoo. Come on. Family or career? Family. Nikki or Cardi? Cardi. Jalof or Rice and Peas? Ooh, Rice and Peas. 
Missionary or doggy style? Doggy. Protection or pull out in prayer? A combination of the two. <laughs> no, <laughs> the way you're, that how it works? Track, the way your track record now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my is batting Uchi- average, my batting average is pretty high. Oh my god! I mean, is it honestly, Uchi Wally Wally. Come on, is it Uchi Wally Wally or is it one mic? Ooh, one mic. Love Jones or Jason's lyric? Oh my fucking god! Jason's lyric. He put it on Lisa on the Bonet thing or with the Nia Long. Oh fuck, Nia Long. Bell hooks or Audrey Lord? Audrey Lord. Make your girl a plate or have her get her own? I know the answer. Make my girl a plate. Mm-hmm. Knock if you buck or Annie up? Ooh, Annie up. East Coast. 9-11, inside job or terrorist attack? <laughs> terrorist attack. Please don't have the hotel coming Beyonce. after me. Beyonce. <laughs> Biggie or Pac? Biggie. Jill or Erica? Uh, Jill. No, Erica. Read a book my or bad. Watch the, read a book or watch the movie? Oh, read the book. Sundress or sweatpants? Ooh, sundress. Tony Morrison or Alice Walker? Tony. Flats or drums? Drums. Netflix or Hulu? Hulu. Travel back in time or travel forward in time? Back in time. Buy stocks or buy flights? Mm, stocks. Prove your point or pray for peace? Ladder. The fun of your 20s or the wisdom of your 30s? The love of my 40s, but I'll take the, the 30s, though. So. Finally, love and light or money and clits? <laughs> Come on, and Capricorn, I'm... be honest. <laughs> love, and, love and light. It's the sad in me, Shanti. It's the love and light. It's the Joelle. Love and light. Please tell the people where they can find you, how they can follow you, how they can support you. We didn't even touch on your albums and such. Please tell the good folks. Yeah, I mean, you know, keep in contact. The website is underway, but um, you can find me on Instagram. I am Joelle Leon on IG. Um, my first essay collection, uh, "What Kind of Black Are You," will be out in the spring, twenty twenty four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, published by Henry Holt, Macmillan Books. Um, they're the same people who published um, the, the the first edition of the Bluest Eye. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. That's amazing. Yeah, congratulations. Congrats. Thank you, Shanti. Also, why am I sitting here saying Leon and it's Leon? I mean, well, you can say why Leon. You ain't I mean, me? I mean, not because I. <laughs> Me. I've been calling that you that this so whole funny time. To me. Cause you be bougie. It's Leon. Yeah. It's <laughs> no action. Like, That's like who the other dude we were talking about. You from Haiti? Are you from, is your are your people from Haiti? No, nah, no, nah, my mom is from Dominica though. So like that's exactly why okay. the yeah, Your mom so. is from Dominica? Yes, ma'am. Oh, I have a personal connection to that island. Okay. Somebody I that know. I loved was from Dominica. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. island. Beautiful people. Amazing the hell you person. love was from Dominica. The the my my girlfriend. Shout out to her. You know who you are. <laughs> anyway, y'all, we're gonna get out of here. This has been another episode of Around the Way Curls. I don't know if that's any more clear. I feel like it is. It is. We ain't gonna bring it up. Give us another six <sighs> months. We we bring it back. Let us yeah. put this in we'll, practice, perhaps or not. Yeah, maybe who we'll knows. try it out, see how it goes, and report back. But Joelle. 
You are loved. You are appreciated. We thank you. And with that, we are out. You have just heard an Around the Way Curls John. Follow them on Twitter at ATW Curls and Instagram at Around the Way Curls. We out early. <laughs> Very good.